guard city for some important gold mines for the Roman Empire again. So there's kind of a lot going on. It was, a, it was really a hub of a city, and some important things in history went on, um, and we're going to see some of that here in just a second. Um, again, at the time of the writing, or in the New Testament as we're reading about it, Philippi was ruled by Rome. So it was a, it was a part of that Roman Empire. And um, uh, again, important city. So Paul, who wrote um, the book of Philippians, it, he first visited Philippi around the year of AD 49. Okay? And if you remember, Christ was crucified about, about AD 33, right? So um, this, was, this was not too long after Christ was crucified. Paul was going on his missionary journeys. You can read about those journeys in the book of Acts. Very exciting here in the spread of, of the gospel. And it's neat because what's, what's really, really cool is with the Roman Empire, the Roman Empire began bringing structure, infrastructure to the world, roadways, you know, military structure, um, resources, all that to the, to the world, the known world there around the Mediterranean Sea. And, and God used that structure of the Roman Empire to spread the gospel. And a lot of what we see of Paul's ministry, nearly all of that was within the Roman Empire. And he's using those roadways, the military system. You, even, you hear him talk about his um, citizenship as well. Um, one, one thing I think is really neat about this uh, Philippi is it's widely believed that this is the first time that the gospel of Jesus Christ was shared on the continent of Europe. Until that time, it had been in Asia, which includes, of course, the Middle East. And so this is the first time the gospel of Christ had crossed into the, the, the uh, continent of Europe. So I think that's exciting. Um, and um, Paul wasn't initially planning on going to Philippi. But uh, there's, a, there's a neat, he was called there by a vision. And in Acts 16.9, 6, it says, During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia. Philippi was within Macedonia. Standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to, get to them. So, and then quickly, um, Paul, it's believed he, he visited Philippi two more times after AD 49, in about 56 and 57. And then he was imprisoned later on, and he's writing this letter to the Philippian church that he had planted, again, first sharing the gospel in AD 49. Um, he's sitting in prison in about AD 62, um, so about 30 years after Christ's crucifixion, and is writing this letter to um, uh, to the Philippians, right? Encouraging, um, encouraging them. So a couple things to keep in mind as, as you read through the book of Philippians, as we finish it out today. One thing is, this is a very young church. It's only about 13 years old since they first heard the gospel, anybody in this region. And secondly, um, um, that Paul is sitting in prison at this time. You know, as we're talking, there's so much in, in uh, Philippians about joy in the midst of trials, and standing firm in the midst of trials. Remember, Paul is sitting in a prison while he's writing this to, to the church. I think that's exciting. Um, all right, so uh, let's dive in and, and just kind of recap what's going on in, uh, with, with the series and in the book. Um, so I want to go back over what, what previous pastors have shared. We've had three, three different pastors sharing in this, in this series. And uh, keep your Bibles handy, just so you know, I'm, uh, I'm reading out of NIV. I know there's, there's better translations out there, but I love this Bible that I have here, and it happens to be NIV, and as Pastor Jonathan says, I'm the one holding the mic, so 
Um, have your Bibles handy. We're going to be going through a lot of scripture. First of all, week number one, Pastor Bo shared out of Philippians 1. And really the Lord was, was speaking to Pastor Bo about thanksgiving and being thankful for the people that God has placed in your life. And uh, so I'm going to read from Philippians 1 verse 3. I thank God, I'm, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a work, good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how long, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. So um, reflecting on and, and being thankful for the people God's been, put, the people that God's put in your lives. Sometimes, of course, those people can be difficult. But God is using those people in your life, and God's using you in their lives. All right, week two was Pastor Mike Lombard, Pastor Jonathan's dad. Um, he spoke powerfully kind of on Philippians 1 and 2. Um, uh, he spoke on the joy that lasts, joy in the midst of trials. So this is from uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 18. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Remember, he's sitting in jail, right? I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, uh, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether in life or by death. That's powerful. Um, one thing I love about Philippians is the joy and humility that Paul has grown into is really evident in this book. If you, if you see some of his earlier letters, Galatians and, and Corinthians, he's really like boldly defending his right to preach the gospel and his position as a leader in the church. And he gets, he gets a little brusque at times in those. And when we get to Philippians later in his ministry, again, this is 30 years or so after um, uh, Christ's crucifixion, uh, you just see this deep humility Deep, I mean, he's almost single-handedly like spread the gospel into the Roman Empire, and he's just humble um, to the extreme, and that's just so neat to see. He considers it an honor to be sitting in prison for the sake of the gospel. Um, you know, as I was thinking about that, I would, I would imagine Paul, you know, he's been this great teacher. Um, he's traveled all over the, the Roman Empire. I would think he would be tempted to complain to the Lord that he would be more effective if he could be going on another missionary journey rather than spending time sitting in this foreign jail, right? Um, but you, again, you see his humility coming through and imagine the, the generations, the hundreds and couple thousand years of Christians who've been affected by the letters that Paul wrote while sitting in prison instead of traversing the countryside spreading the gospel, right? Um, so um, week three, Pastor Jonathan, uh, I, uh, if I remember right, I think he spoke mainly about circumcision Last week, that's what I remember. We got a little too deep into that topic. No. Uh, he talked about the mindset of joy in Philippians 3. Um, he talked about, talked about some, some uh, opposing mindsets. And the first one was the mindset of, or a legalistic mindset. You know, the, Jew, the Jewish Christians that were really focused on circumcision and following the law and uh, um, fulfilling the tenets of the, of the law. And, and that that leads us to 
to that legalistic mindset, a performance mindset. But then on the other ditch, as Pastor Jonathan talked about, a worldly mindset that, that leans too heavily on our freedom in Christ and, and leads us into just a worldly lifestyle and not, not really following Christ in what we're doing. Well, I'm saved and now I'm going to live however I want, not really living a life submitted to Christ. So then he talked about that, that, that walk that's in the middle, the mindset that's in the middle of an eternal mindset. It says in, um, in verse uh, 3, chapter 3, verse 20, it says, uh, where are we at? But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. So um, that's kind of where we've come from so far. Again, just such depth in this book. I, re- I love this book. And now I get the, uh, the privilege, even though it was a little unexpected, to uh, share from, from Philippians 4. Um, I want to do something a little bit different today. And uh, um, as I said, I, those of that have been in small group with me know that I love just kind of reading the word together. And so we're going we're gonna to read this chapter together. But um, one thing that, that uh, comes to mind is how often us in the Western church in the United States, I think we often take our freedoms, uh, religious freedoms for granted. I don't know about you, but I have a number of Bibles at home. I have every translation under the sun right here on my phone. But how often do I, it just, it, it lies um, neglected, like on my nightstand, right? And I'm sure you're the same way sometimes. Uh, and, and yet we've got brothers and sisters around the world that, that would give up anything uh, for a page, you know, from the word that they could read over and over and memorize. And so I think that we, we um, don't honor the, the the gift that we have in the Word. And so I want to do something a little different. If you could grab your, your phones or your Bibles, and I want to stand and just honor um, this gift that we've been given as, as we read the Word. So why don't you stand with me, and let's read through this together. Again, I'm reading in, in uh, NIV. This is chapter 4. Therefore, my brothers, whom you, uh, whom you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything 
through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering and an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God be and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. You can be seated. All right, I want to um, highlight a few things. Just as I was reading through this, this chapter, things that the Holy Spirit highlighted for me. And again, it's my, my hope that, that you allow the living word, Christ, to speak to you, the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart through this um, as we read it. I think that's, that should always be our mindset as we read the word. Uh, but these are some things that the Holy Spirit was highlighting for me. Um, first of all, um, the, f- the first thing that, that as we go through it, what stuck out to me is that Paul describes the marks that define us in the midst of hardships. The marks that are on our lives. What describes us as believers, whether things are going well or things are going hard, right? Um, so when we think of like, uh, like a craftsman or an artist, we can often tell who created that work of art or that work of craftsmanship, a painting or a sculpture or a, or a fine piece of furniture by maybe different ways, right? Maybe, uh, maybe a maker's mark or a signature, I know a, a concrete man I used to work with, he had kind of a stamp, and we'd, we'd pour a slab, and in the corner he had this nice little stamp that he'd kind of tap in, and that mark would be there all the time, right? And, and oftentimes craftsmen have a mark like that, or a, a painter might have a signature on the corner of the painting. Or just looking at a painting or a work of art, we can tell by the marks of their style, their hand, who created that, right? A good art expert can tell a, a genuine Monet because of the style and the, the, um, the marks in that painting. Um, and so Paul is describing uh, those, those marks of our, the craftsman, our creator, on us as believers following him. And he kind of lines some of these out. Um, so um, here's a few that, that stuck out to me, a few of those, those marks. The first one from verse 2 is agreement and unity. When he, he asks Euodians and Tyche to agree with each other in the Lord, to be unified in the work, unified in the gospel, right? Um, and uh, from, from, this reminded me of Hebrews, from Hebrews 12, 14 and 15. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. The enemy is always looking to separate us, to cause bitterness and division between us. And so Paul calls us to unity and agreement as a mark of who we are following Christ, right? Um, I don't know about you, but, but, you know, when I let my flesh kind of rise up, my flesh is certainly bent towards division and disunity, um, even tearing others down at different times that I'm not proud of in my life, right? Um, and when I give into that, um, oftentimes I find myself seeing the worst in other people, highlighting the worst of what's going on, maybe even assuming 
um, their mindsets and their motivations rather than doing everything to live at unity with the other person, right? And uh, I think that's where our, oftentimes our flesh goes. And as a church body, a church family, it's easy for that to, to uh, come into play. So Holy Spirit, teach us to be marked by unity. Heal us of that. Um, all right, the next one, the next mark that, that uh, Paul points out or describes is rejoicing in the Lord. Um, you know, we're surrounded by a world, when you listen to the news, when you watch social media, all those things, we're, we, uh, we're surrounded by a world defined by heaviness, um, darkness, negativity, pointing out the problems, pointing out the problems in other people, right? And, and yet we're called to, to be um, excited about the Lord, rejoicing in him. Verse 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. That means taking pleasure in the Lord, being excited about him, regardless of your circumstances. Um, having joy in him, uh, meditating and thinking on what he's done and who he is and his goodness and his love for us, rejoicing in the Lord. That's a counter to our culture, isn't it? Now, the next one is gentleness. This is a hard one for, for me anyway, maybe for some of you. Um, verse 5, he says, uh, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Um, that, that, to me, is, is interesting. It, it's kind of stuck in the middle of a couple different principles. And he just says, um, let your gentleness be evident to all. That should be a, a, a mark on our lives, right? Um, I, I don't know about you, but as a father, as a parent, this is one that's especially hard. I don't know why. Um, but, but I certainly naturally don't tend towards gentleness as a parent. Um, that I find myself being overly harsh or firm or those types of things. And, um, and just praying, you know, that's a, been a common prayer. I, I think my family could attest to a common prayer uh, for myself is just Holy Spirit, raise up in me the fruit of the spirit of gentleness. Um, and, uh, you know, um, gentleness doesn't mean weakness, but that, that ability to just bring our strength as a parent, as a leader, you know, we have the experience of life and, and we're trying to share that with our kids, but bringing that strength and that experience, that leadership under control to be gentle and loving with our kids or gentle and loving with those around us, right? Um, so speaking of the fruits of the Spirit, um, I want to highlight in Galatians, Paul, Paul compares the fruits of the flesh with the fruits of the Spirit. Gentleness is one of those. So Galatians 5.19 the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, ambition, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Holy Spirit, teach us gentleness. Teach me gentleness when we're interacting with others. As Paul says, that should be evident to all. And that's a hard one sometimes. The next uh, mark that Paul points out in verse 6, he says, uh, um, uh, what I saw there is trust in the Lord and thankfulness. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. In every situation, responding with thanksgiving for, for what God has done, for what he's doing, what he's going to do, 
um, I find that, that uh, oftentimes, um, you know, in those situations where I'm just anxious, I'm nervous, I don't see a good solution, um, all I can see is the problem, that I just have to stop and just say, Lord, I thank you for, that you've got this all under control. I thank you for what you're doing that I can't see. And, I, and then even pausing and just thanking for the blessings that I know I have in my life, um, the things that he's given me, the things that he's done in me, the ways that he's changing me. So stopping, when you're focused on that problem, that challenge, and, and responding with thankfulness, and then trusting him for the solution, um, presenting your request to God. Uh, remember, Paul's not even like on his home turf in prison. He's sitting in some ro uh, Roman cell. We're not totally sure where he's at. Many think that he's in Rome, but he's in a foreign land in a prison cell sitting there, you know, with, he doesn't know the outcome of what's going on. And he's writing that. He's telling us to be thankful and to trust the Lord for the uh, solutions in that situation, the, the outcome, right? Um, so verses 6 and 7, uh, they take us to the, the next, the next uh, point, the next part that I saw out, coming out of this chapter. And that is, um, so we had the, the mark that defines us in the midst of hardship. The next thing that, that Paul calls us to is, um, and describes to us is the peace poured out to, uh, on us in the midst of chaos. And we sang a song last week about um, you make all things work together for our good. And, and I spoke and shared a little bit about that's not a promise that the Lord's just going to dole out what we think is right. But it's a, it's a, um, a declaration of trust. that We're, we're trusting in the Lord that he's going to make all things work together for our good, right? Um, he promises in here uh, peace and protection in those times, not, not fixing the problem as we see it necessarily. He says, do not be anxious about anything, verse 6, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Notice he doesn't say, present your prayer and petitions to God, and he will grant your wish like a genie in a bottle. He, he doesn't say that, which... Um, when I was reading it again, it, it kind of surprised me a little bit. He doesn't really say anything about the solution. He says, present your request to God, and the peace of God, will, uh, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind. He's not he doesn't talk about the solution at all. He just talks about his peace guarding us, our heart and mind. Um, so then I was thinking, I mean, that's kind of a little bit of a strange, uh, that, that he says it'll, the peace will guard our heart and mind. I thought, that's interesting. What is he guarding our heart and mind from. So I was just asking the Lord about that. And, and the Lord was pointing out to me that um, the enemy is constantly attacking our mind and our heart, our thinking and our spirits. Um, uh, and I think we see it in our culture around us, but he's constantly attacking our hearts with, um, and minds with worry, fear, um, doubt. I think a lot of us, worthlessness, I'm not good enough. That's a constant barrage of lies from the enemy, Right? He's constantly, from the beginning of time, the beginning of creation, he's been trying to draw our attention away from the promises of the Lord, the word of the Lord, trusting in the Lord and his faithfulness, to worry, fear, doubt in who God is and what he's done and what he's doing, what he said, right? And um, constantly shifting that. So, um, so the, Paul is saying here that the peace of the Lord is going to guard our heart and mind especially, I think, from those attacks of the enemy as he's trying to, the enemy's trying to put our focus on the problem 
rather than putting our focus on, on uh, the Lord, the solution, the one who's going to carry us through those things, right? Um, it sounds a little bit easy, though, just to say, well, trust in the Lord, put your attention on the Lord. Um, so how do we do that? And um, what, what came to mind for me is, is that we're called to take every thought captive with the Holy Spirit. When he's attacking our hearts and our minds, when the enemy is attacking, we take our thoughts captive. Um, in First, uh, um, First Corinthians 10.3, uh, Paul, again, talks about shifting our gaze um, in thanksgiving and praise. So he sa- and he talks about the war that's going on in our hearts and minds, right? He, sa- he talks, um, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 10.3 for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension, especially from the enemy, right, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So when you feel um, the anxieties, the worries, um, the hopelessness of the storm pressing in, those challenges that just seem insurmountable, maybe like Paul sitting in a foreign jail or um, the, the, uh, the church in the Roman Empire that was quickly becoming persecuted and attacked. Uh, um, he calls us to um, ask the Holy Spirit to help shift our focus. Verse, verse 8, this is how he, uh, he helps us to take captive our thoughts, to shift the focus of our hearts. I love this. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. That's his promise. When we go back to, when we go back to present your requests before the Lord, his promise is the God of peace will be with you. The peace that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind, right? That's his promise. That's our promise to, uh, to hang on to and declare back to the Lord, to declare to our own hearts, right? Thank you, Lord, that you, are, that you and your peace are guarding my heart and mind, that you're walking through this with me, that you've got things under control, right? Lastly, um, since I'm no Pastor Jonathan... Uh, my sermon's a little shorter. Lastly, the, the third thing that I see, that I saw just that stuck out to me, the Holy Spirit was speaking in this chapter, is the contentment and the concern that we're called to in the midst of need. Um, those of you that don't know, Paul began his adulthood as a very well-educated um, Jewish person. He had top education. He, he called himself a Pharisee of Pharisees, so probably kind of the, the top of his class, but also um, faultless in following the law. You know, he had books of Scripture memorized. Um, he, knew, he knew the law inside and out, right? Um, he was probably wealthy, I imagine. And, um, but for the last 15 years or so, Paul has been traveling, again, the Roman Empire, often in very hostile conditions, uh, spreading the gospel, little food, uh, shipwrecks we know about. We know about beatings and imprisonments. He was beaten several times by, you know, local law enforcement or whatever. And, uh, um, and that's kind of, so he's known both ends of the spectrum, right? But he's encouraging um, and he's praying, praising, sorry, the Christians in Philippi that they, um, for their giving 
uh, towards him and towards the spread of the gospel and challenging them to continue, right? He's also challenging them to, to contentment, though, in their situation, whether, you know, finances are good, whether there's famine or plenty in the land, whatever that might be, to challenging them to, to contentment. So let's look at verse 11 again. But I'm not, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. Remember, our, our contentment's not in our circumstances, right? Um, nowhere in here is Paul or the Lord promising a smooth sailing, right? Paul certainly didn't, didn't see that. Uh, but, um, but that our contentment is in the Lord and him alone. If you, if you read Psalms much, that's often like, uh, it's a favorite book of mine. I'm sure it is of yours as well. There's, there's, a number of, uh, there's a number of Psalms where you're like, are you really talking to God that way? You know, he's, where David is expressing his frustration and anger at the Lord. Now he, which, which shows us it's okay. It's okay to express anger and frustration at your circumstances. Lord, why are things the way they are? Um, come to my rescue, David says a lot. Uh, but it shows us that's okay. But then also David brings that back around to praise and trust. Lord, I trust in you for the solutions. Um, so Paul challenges the church in Philippians here or the, uh, the Philippian church to uh, even in need to give to others in need and also to give to the spreading of the gospel. And you know, that's something that we do uh, at, here at Spirit of Life. He says, I'm looking for what may be credit to your account. And, you know, I don't know your perceptions are growing up giving to the church. There's always, of course, been, you know, news articles and things about there about misuse of funds and things like that. So I don't know what's in all of your hearts about giving. Um, but but uh, this is an area where the Word uh, encourages us to do that. And also he tells us that it has eternal consequences, eternal um, reward for giving to others in need, even when we're in need, and giving to the spread of the gospel as well, that the good news of Christ would be um, spread throughout the wor world. Of course, there's missionaries right now throughout the world that, uh, that are living in hardship. They're living under persecution. And we as a church, whether you know it or not, we as a church, every month are giving to those, um, those missionaries. You guys know Mike and Pam Lombard, and we give to them regularly. And, uh, and that's credit to our account eternally, right? Um, and it's also, Paul also lines out that, this, that that giving is not just something we should do, not something just for our own benefit, for eternal rewards, right? But it's also an act of worship. Um, he says in verse 18, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So as, as he talks about that giving, as he talks about um, us giving even in the midst of our needs, learning to be content, he brings us right back, down, right back around to trusting the Lord, right? Right back around to, and my God will, will supply all your needs, will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. So if, you know, we've all probably struggled or, or had seasons where we're not seeing provision, or finances or employment is not working out like um, we wish they would. It's an area of frustration. It's an area of stress. Sometimes in marriages, it's an area of, um, uh, you know, frustration in your marriage because of those, those finances and things. Declaring this passage to your own spirit and back to the Father, 
My God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. That's a powerful promise. If I could have the worship team come up, we're going to finish up here. Um, so again, uh, Philippians 4, I love this chapter. It's a deep, deep chapter. There's so many. I mean, we could, there's a number of those places we could have a whole sermon just on each one of those, those sections there. Um, so much depth here, so many powerful principles that Paul is, is unlocking for this baby church, right? Um, uh, about what it looks like, uh, who we are in following Christ. What are the marks that should be on our lives, right? Um, um, so what, and then what we're called to and what we've been given, what the Lord's promised to us. So again, the three things that, that the Lord really highlighted for me, the marks that define us in the midst of hardships, the peace poured out on us in the midst of chaos and the contentment and concern we're called to in the midst of need. Um, lastly, I think, you know, sometimes as we learn, we hear some of this stuff. These are some things that we are to be doing, we're to be looking like, um, promises we're supposed to be clinging to. Oftentimes, I don't know about you, but it's easy to just feel like, well, I don't measure up to that. I don't think my life is marked by that. I don't think I'm holding on to those promises very well. And it's easy to, again, let the lies of the enemy um, come back on us and, and think that we're not just performing well enough. And that's not the message of the gospel. That's the lie of the enemy that he always speaks that's counter to the, uh, the gospel, right? Um, and so I love how, how Paul um, kind of finishes out this chapter. Um, because of that, you know, he, when, he's, when he's telling the, this baby church, this is how you need to be. You know, allow the Lord to shape you more like this. Well, if we're feeling um, like we don't measure up in those areas, he finishes uh, this, that in the midst of our like messiness and mistakes and like, ah, you know, I'm I'm letting those anxieties take over my life. I'm not clinging to those promises. He says, he finishes up with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. It's like Paul knows, but we're not always going to get it right. And we're going to get down that, oh my goodness, gentleness did not define my life just there. Um, or, oh my, you know, I've been putting all my focus on my anxieties. He says, you're not going to get it right all the time, but the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Um, we're going to close with just some worship here in just a moment. Um, but there's going to be a few people here available to pray. If there's any of these areas uh, that, that spoke to you, that stuck out to you, that you want more of, um, that you need help with, that you're not seeing those promises maybe in your life, you're... you're um, you feel like you're in one of those hopeless prison in a foreign land sort of situations, um, uh, that you can come up and get prayer for that. And we're going to just uh, take a moment here and, and worship together, shall we?
thank you for this message in Philippians 4. Lord, we thank you for um, showing us how our lives will be defined, following after you. Lord, make us more like those things, more like you. And Lord, I thank you for the peace that transcends all understanding that you've promised will guard our hearts and minds in good times and in challenges and troubles and trials. Lord, we praise you and thank you. Lord, I thank you that the God of peace is walking with us this week. Lord, I pray that your peace and your presence and your voice will be the utmost of evidence in our hearts and minds this week. 
as we go about our days. Lord, as we walk through trials, Lord, as there's people before us that need to hear the good news of your gospel, in all those things, Lord, I just pray that you would, uh, your presence, your voice, Holy Spirit, your wisdom, your knowledge, your words would be very evident for us. Lord, I pray blessing and protection and favor over our church family. And Lord, that this church family would just be a beacon on the hill, expanding the kingdom of heaven in this area. Lord, we praise you and thank you for who you are and what you've done and what you're doing. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name.
Powerful name it is. 
you for the cross that you have carried thank you for your blood that was shed you took the weight of sin upon your shoulders and sacrificed